And we are taking a look at that parable of the sower, a very famous uh, parable of Jesus that we can find in Mark chapter 4. I hope you'll turn with me in your ESV Bible or find your bulletin insert with our passage of Scripture printed upon it. We'll treat it as a unison reading and read the Word of God together. And this is where Mark tells us, Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When I was growing up in the New Sterling Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church in western Iredell County, outside of Statesville, North Carolina, on any given Sunday with a congregation of people like this, I could point out farmer after farmer after farmer to you. And if I should go there and worship today, I can still point out several farmers in that congregation, some of whom have been farming the same land for several generations. In fact, one man that possibly owns more farmland than anyone else in the county. But if I should look out over this congregation and look for a farmer, I don't think I'd find one. Some of you may own some farmland somewhere... And you may keep a few cows or have a barn or possibly even a tractor, but you don't make a living from that land, which for the most part imitates American society as a whole. Only 1% of working Americans today say that farming is their primary occupation. A hundred years ago, that percentage would have been 30%. Now, if people aren't farming, what happens to the land? Fifty acres of farmland and ranch land are developed every hour in this nation today. That means in the time we're in here for worship this morning, another 50 acres are lost to development. In 35 years I've been in the ministry, 24 
million acres of agricultural land have been developed in this nation. And so it seems as if Americans are taking to heart the words Jesus gives us in this text. I mean, He talks about all of the seed and all of the hard work and how much of it is for naught because the seed is devoured or animals take it or there's terrible weather or whatever it happens to be. And so here we have it, counseling from Jesus Himself on choosing your vocation. That if you're going to be a farmer, you better have your eyes open and know that a lot of your work is going to be for nothing. That's a quite literal interpretation, isn't it? Obviously, that's not what Jesus means. It's a parable, Barry. And parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, as they always say. A parable is a a story that uses everyday word and thought forms, but yet points forward to a certain meaning. That is to say, it's a simile. It's a, a form of comparison. And if that's the case, the parable of the sower must mean something else. And if it's not talking about uh, how you better be wary if you choose to be a farmer, what's it really talking about? What message is Jesus trying to get across to this multitude that's gathered out there listening to Him teaching? We don't have to worry about the answer to that question too much because if we just look further in this chapter, verse 14 and following, Jesus gives that answer. He tells His disciples because they weren't sure about what Jesus was really meaning. You know, what do you mean by that? I mean... What what does that really mean, what you said? And Jesus begins to tell them. The sower sows the Word, He says. And these are the ones along the path where, where the Word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes it away. And these in like manner are the ones sown upon rocky ground who when they hear the Word immediately receive it with joy but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, and then when tribulation or or persecution comes along because of the Word, they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the Word, but the cares of the world, the delight enriches, the, the attractions, the distractions get to them, and it chokes out the Word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown upon the good soil are the ones who hear the Word of God, who accept it and and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. You see, this parable shows how the same Word of God gets a different reception depending upon who hears that Word in the first place. We might even go so far as to say, as one scholar did, 
that addressed to the multitude, it was originally a challenging word on the responsibility of hearing the gospel of the kingdom. You remember how Jesus says there at the end, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How are you and I going to listen to the gospel of the kingdom of the good news of God in Jesus Christ? It's a word gaining its urgency from the fact that he who preached it was the Messiah. That he inaugurated the kingdom of God, a kingdom that he said over and over again is at hand. And therefore he was confronting humanity with the need to make a decision. Today, the parable is still addressed to a multitude. Only the crowd has grown ever so larger so that everyone who hears these words of Jesus or everyone who reads them must also make a decision. Because Jesus is our risen Lord. He's still our Messiah. He has inaugurated God's kingdom and through the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Word and sacraments still sows the good seed into our hearts today. And though times have changed since Jesus originally spoke these words, we as sinful humanity have not changed. We still receive the Word of Jesus in the same ways. Whether we're hearers only on the surface or whether we hear and act for just a brief time, or whether we hear and want to respond, and yet there are too many attractions or distractions in this society today uh, to keep us from, from walking the life of discipleship, or whether we're able to hear, to understand, and to obey. This parable gives the same message today. And that message should make us squirm in our seats, every one of us, as we contemplate the question, what kind of soul am I? Because I have to be one of those four types. Now that's a wonderful message from this parable, that question to each of us. And we could just spend all of our time on that today. And I'm sure you've maybe heard sermons like that. But there's another wonderful message in this parable, it seems to me, that is good news. And that's what I want us to talk about today. It's interesting from the literary standpoint that many of Jesus' parables have a a kind of movement in them where they start down here and they keep building toward a climax and we can see that in this parable before us. Notice that the first batch of seed fell on the path. It was devoured immediately. It didn't even get to begin to grow. The second batch fell on rocky ground and at least... It was able to grow for just a brief period. The third batch grew up among the thorns. It was alive much longer until it was finally sort of choked out. And then the rest of the seed was in good ground and it brought forth a harvest. 
growing and increasing and yielding 30, 60, 100 fold, Jesus said. And what you and I need to understand this morning is that those in that crowd today hearing His words for the first time, especially any farmers or people who had uh, dealt with that, well, that claim would have been too good to be true. Because 10% yield was a great yield in that day and time and in that location. 30, 60, and, and certainly 100-fold were practically unheard of to the farmer. But that's where the good news comes in. Not unheard of to the Christian church. This was good news to the early church just as it's good news to this congregation today. Jesus is full of joyful confidence. We can see it in these words. He knows that God has inaugurated the kingdom through Him, bringing with it a harvest of reward beyond all asking or imagination. In spite of all failures, the kingdom of God comes. And it doesn't just come, it grows. But yet there are those in the world and of the world today who would question the fact that God actually rules over His creation in any kind of kingdom at all. They say things like, with all of the poverty, with all of the hunger, with all of the wars and injustice, with all of the suffering, with all of the terrorism, with all of the the pain and hate and agony, how can you claim you Christian people, that your God of love is in control. How can you say that the good news is spreading over the earth? This kingdom, when more than three billion people have either not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or haven't decided to Follow Jesus if they've heard it. With questions like these, we as God's people may be tempted to sometimes doubt whether indeed the Lord God omnipotent reigns. But it's precisely then with teaching from Christ Himself that we must proclaim that His kingdom stands and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that we live in a world in which Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and reigns in grace and mercy and peace and power over all of His church, that the little flock that He died to redeem now numbers uh, more than 2.18 billion people across the globe, and that the God who has already done so much to save us may be trusted to finish His work. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Despite all of the hazards of farming, the church of Christ reaps and continues to reap a splendid harvest, some yielding thirty some sixty, some a hundredfold. You know, one of our missionaries for years to the Persian people 
as the Associate of Foreign Presbyterians is a man by the name of Tat Stewart. And he'll tell you that the Persian people are just wide open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they just come in droves. That God is just drawing them into his church by the hundreds and the thousands. And we usually think of that as one of the hardest places on earth. One of the darkest places. One of the hardest places for people to respond to the gospel. And yet, we see that hundredfold. In that place. And the wonderful part about all of this is that God has called you and me to be laborers in this kingdom. You know, the parable of the sower, as we read it this morning, is found in all of the synoptic gospels in the New Testament Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But there's also what I believe is a very graphic illustration of the truth of Jesus' teaching in this parable found in John's gospel. In a story he gives us in his fourth chapter where he tells us that Jesus was traveling through the region of Samaria and that wearied as he was with his journey, he stopped about lunchtime one day at Jacob's well. And if you know this story, you know that he struck up a conversation with a woman. A woman may be of questionable morals. And you know, he wasn't just talking about the weather. He was sowing into her the word of life. And all of a sudden, John tells us she went running into the city saying to all the people there, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this man be the Christ? And in the meantime, Jesus' disciples have returned. They went out into the city to see if they could find some bread for them to eat. And they're trying to get Jesus to eat. Master, you need to eat. You know, keep up your strength, this sort of thing. And Jesus says, I have food to eat of which you don't know. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His purpose. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes and see right now that the fields are white to harvest. Now, I've never been to the Holy Land, I've never been to Jacob's well. I'm told there's a church built around it, like there's a church built at most every holy site over there. But from what I could tell from my Bible atlas, it looks like it's pretty level ground there. And I believe what Jesus was saying was He was telling His disciples, look, the fields are already white to harvest because he could see those white tunics of people coming out from the city from this woman's testimony who went running into that town saying, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And John tells us that many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. But then he tells us, many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, 
It is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we believe this is the Savior of the world. You remember what Jesus said? Other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding some 30, some 60, some even a hundredfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear.